Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara, and we share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. And no better time of the year as the playoff starts in most leagues this week. Maybe it started last week, but we are in it where this week could be your last game with some of your favorite dynasty teams. So the uh, the stakes have never been higher. And we have Justin Herbert out for the season. One of the big news items out of the week is quarterback carnage. And Justin Herbert, while it has not been the season we envisioned with those weapons, but it is one where we are seeing a changing of the guard. He's out for the rest of the season. We have Easton stick time, uh, which actually could help Jordan's team, uh, the Bills, as they play the Chargers coming up uh, in a very important AFC matchup for them. Uh, but for Dynasty, this is one where Easton sticks on the waiver wire a decent amount, and the Chargers have generally underwhelmed as an offense and as a team this year. Yeah, we were just discussing this actually before the the show as well. You got Keenan Allen banged up, and they play in a short week, so we'll see how how that unfolds uh, for them. Like Easton Six is going to be a big, um, you know, probably be a big addition this week for teams in trouble. I actually think that Nick Mullins is probably the better bet. Would be my thought, just with that offense and the nature of it right now. Um, if you're trying to strike from deeper, but I think Easton Six probably got a better hold on the job. So we'll have to see how all that all that boils down. But getting back to the importance of Justin Herbert, like I think this is a like you go a lot of different ways on Herbert. Um, we talked about Dallas last week in in a premium show on the Patreon side, um, and in the uh Kellen Moore thing. I think it's going to be interesting because I think that Justin Herbert's going to have a blank slate next year. I think he's going to have a new head coach. I think he's probably going to have a new offensive coordinator. Um, I think that they're probably going to have a, some a bit of a retooling on offense in the form of like Mike Williams, probably not there, right? They're going to need to restructure Keenan Allen. Like between the two of them, they're due over $60 million in cap. It's next year that can't happen. So they're going to have to figure that out. I think it's going to look very different. Uh, and I, I come back to like, that's going to be a pretty attractive job for an offensive coach to want to go in and coach. So I look at this right now and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm not in it, can I make a trade for Justin Herbert for a team that just, that, that is in the playoffs? So that's the first thing I'm thinking about. Then I'm also thinking about like, all right, as we kind of head towards the off season, like is Herbert going to be a guy that we can actually get in trades where he was, you know, universally over the past couple of years, a top three, top four guy. Uh, in in dynasty super flex formats like is he slide a little bit does he become a little bit more accessible with some of these question marks coming up Uh, i think it's going to be a really really interesting spot to for teams that don't have two super max quarterbacks to be in on right because i think he's going to get you in that neighborhood this year in maybe a way we didn't expect him to be like that that avenue coming into the season yeah i really think you know this is why it's kind of nice to do startup drafts at different points in the off season because you do one in january you do one january early february where what's in everyone's mouth you know it's the bad taste of justin herbert not hitting expectations and thresholds and and what we thought was going to happen and i think this is going to be honestly maybe the most exploitable startup year ever uh for for teams and Part of it is just the approach that we take uh, where we know we can build with veteran wide receivers later. And when you say that some of the guys we already like are going to go even later than they did a year ago, that obviously helps from a team building and competitive year one and winning in year one perspective. And then you combine that with the fact that we already have storylines like Patrick Mahomes might be available at 103 
you know, potentially in, in drafts, you might be in, and, and I'm thinking of scenarios where, what if you're not able to trade up, you know, what if it's not, you know, you get in a certain league and you're like, ah, I drew 107, you know, so you're 107, 206. Well, 107 is easily going to be Herbert or, or Dap, for example, you might be able to trade back. I mean, with, depending on how, how confident you are. But even if you draw 110 and, you know, 110 and what was that, 203, the point is, even the worst case scenario, you're still in line with some of these very durable profiles, whereas you maybe didn't have quite that feeling. I mean, Herbert may be accessible in that zone where in the late first, where you had no chance, no chance last off season. And that's where, like you just said, clean slate and it, it can wash away a lot of these ills. Like he is, I, I, I don't think there's very many people that that don't agree that he's hyper talented you know that and so when you wipe that slate and say you get the funk off of you that you know this season in whatever ways that we don't even know about you know and that we will probably find out about in the off season when heads roll new new uh, infrastructure is there and that's gonna be a highly appealing job when you have a locked in young quarterback Good luck. I, I mean, good luck, you know, trying to win that job because it's being highly competitive. So um, the fact that he's falling, the fact that Dak has not really moved up despite playing his best ball and reinforcing the profile he already had, where now the fantasy is more aligned with the NFL parts. I mean, those two players, I think, are just critical elements. And one thing I was thinking about when we when we said that this was going to be a topic on the show was Justin Herbert. I almost wonder if him being out with injury, if that stalls the downward trajectory that may have kept going by a little bit with the the bad season finish going for the chargers i almost wonder a couple more stink ball games where they put up three points seven points ten points where things clearly are wrong beyond the quarterback and how good is he if that would hurt his profile and help us just a little bit more yeah you're gonna have like these think pieces where it's gonna be like I don't know. Over at Fantasy Calc right now, he's a mid-second round started pick. I mean, there's no Crazy. way that's true in, in no. January. That's there's no way that's true after the season ends. But like there's gonna be like, do you take the 101 over Justin Herbert? There will be these think pieces out there. Like those things will happen, right? Um, oh yeah. It's is Stroud over Herbert. You know, is that's gonna someone be- will take someone will take Caleb Williams in, in a league of, that has rookies Herbert. over Herbert. Yes. That's correct. Yes. I agree it. with that. Um you know, so I, I like there's going to be opportunities out there, right? Whenever you start getting a guy that was at 102, 103 and he falls a half around, like it doesn't seem like it's much because it's still a first round, but that is a difference in terms of perception, in terms of get ability, in terms of the ability to actually make a deal to get there. Much easier to do when that person's at nine or 10 as opposed to being three, right? It's a, just a, a just a, a much bigger difference there in terms of trades. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting spot. Again, we'll be in on a lot of that. We'll have that. I'm sure we'll have deeper dives on on quarterback trades. You know, I'm sure we, we could do that. We could do that a weekly segment on that. Um, just just that, right? And, and it's funny because people will say like, you guys talk about quarterbacks a lot because it's so important, right? Like, you know, it's so like you just, we talk about the things that, that are, make a huge, huge difference, right? And we, we were talking- NFL, right? You want to be competitive every year. What do you do? Get a quarterback. Get a quarterback, right? right? Get a quarterback. In right? Superflex, you want to be a contender every year. What do you do? Get, get two, a quarterback. Get two quarterbacks. Right. Get, get, get quarterbacks. So, um, so there it's always like, that's always front of mind, right? It's always front of mind for us because it's so important. Right. And, and that it raised your floor, raised your ceiling, especially when they drop in price. Like he's 26 with a really, really good profile. Like you, you bet on that 
Yeah, especially when he's outside the top six at quarterbacks. You bet on that, you bet on that, you bet on that. And this is going to be the offseason for it. And just to spin it on, on a couple points on Easton Stick, he's on a lot of waiver wires. He's thrown one pass before, before this past week. <laughs> and we just talked about it in terms of Keenan Allen. It's a short week. So you have a quarterback seeing his first start, and it is going to be on a short week. So short week, he didn't play that well last week, so you don't even get the positive. He had three turnover-worthy plays, 56% adjusted uh, adjusted accuracy there. Uh, again, it was not a good performance. He is the one that I watched the game. He had zero awareness of the the blitz. He got blown up by edge, edge blitzers, and that's got to get corrected. I mean, or he's going to feel those hits, and now he's going to be overreactive. Like, there's a lot of negative that could happen it may not affect Austin Eckler, the dump off game or him seeing good receiving volume or something like that. But just the infrastructure of this offense, it could look even worse than what we saw. Obviously, you know, obvious report with, with Justin Herbert under center, because now uh, you don't even have skeleton key plans, you know, with the, with Easton stick that can make you whole and make you right in bad situations. So Easton stick has, we can call him high variance, but he's been in the NFL for a while and he's never, he's really never played until last week and it didn't go that well. And now you're getting a short week. So let's put all this together. How do you think this goes? So just keep that in mind on how that could go with Keenan Allen when he is healthy. You know, if that's this week, next week, whatever. Um, Austin Eckler is probably the most insulated just because of how he would score and how it would probably be easier throws and more design stuff uh, that could really help uh, a quarterback that's inexperienced. All right. Uh, running back talk, Jordan. Uh, this is one where, I mean, I just kind of alluded to it. Good segue. But Austin Eckler, good matchups coming up uh, with, with the Raiders, the Bills, the Broncos, all positive matchups uh, with adjusted strength of schedule there coming up. Eckler finally looked healthy this past week. And we found out all the, the, the talk about competition for targets, earn your spot, all that kind of stuff. They were really talking about Joshua Kelly. <laughs> It was Isaiah Spiller getting more work than uh, Joshua Kelly. Honestly, I don't think that matters either way. <laughs> Pick any guy. Like you put in Larry Roundtree to that. Trust me, I've been living, breathing this Chargers backup role <laughs> for three years now. It's oscillated 10 times. And at no point has the answer really mattered. <laughs> has been the takeaway there. But Austin Eckler getting healthy, that would matter here down the stretch. Yeah, it absolutely would. Um, and again, you talked about like how does how does quarterback kind of adjust? Like, yeah, it would be to kind of get your get some of that short stuff, get your balls and you know get the ball in the in the um, you know out and those sorts of things. I actually wonder if it'll be uh, an advantage for uh, Quentin Johnston because I thought he's been miscast as like a vertical receiver. Like, I think them they're getting him involved in the short game and stuff like that'll be an interesting, you know, is that Jumped something that they the catch. do? Rasheed Rice, right? Like, yeah, you know, Rasheed Rice and a lot of the short game stuff, letting absolutely. him work. And yeah, like the fact that he's tall, you know, I think a lot of people assume, you know, deep ball guy, but if you, if you, you know, in terms of what was it missed, I think it was missed tackle rate mm-hmm. in, in college. I mean, he was on a Debo Samuel type level of this guy is going to make that first guy miss a ton. And that could be how you leverage him. Just whether you're five ten or six, five, I mean, that, that should be how your 1.0 way of getting him incorporated into an offense there. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Another player, another player I wanted to ask you about because we've been radio silent and we still haven't had the first practice of the week here, but Brian Robinson with his hamstring injury, Antonio Gibson, someone that has been the ire when you go from starter to now backup, 
uh, all of a sudden you lose a ton of luster Latavius Murray style. Like you're like trying to find your way in the uh, fantasy good graces. But Antonio Gibson is one that could go from zero to hero if, and again, whether it's a groin, a hamstring, these are tough injuries to A, play through, but B, you know, s- sitting around, you're doing rehab. He, they had a bye week at the exact right time if you want Robinson to miss few games. But Gibson strikes me as the type that we've seen him play well. I don't think Chris Rodriguez is going to see a high percentage of that workload. He's probably going to see some of those empty calorie carries, and that's about it uh, from how they've used him so far. So Antonio Gibson may be one of the highest leverage. Wait and see. Do we get spot starts and clarified starts out of him the next week or two? Uh, Yes, totally. Um, This has been one of those situations where I've said if either one of these guys is out and it's consolidated into one of them, whether that's consolidated into Brian Robinson with Gibson out or Gibson with Brian Robinson out, it's got a really, really high end uh, potential because I think they can consolidate 60, 70, 80% up into those types of ranges, which would be really good. I don't think, you know, and you could see 80% snap share because I don't think Chris Rodriguez is a huge threat. Um, and you get both the rushing and the receiving. Again, I don't know if Gibson's necessarily built for that for 17 weeks, but we don't, you don't, you just want it for one, right? That's what you're looking for or two, you know, and they're just one offs at this point. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting one coming off a of buy as well. So we'll see. That's that's been like the key piece of news I've been waiting for. So I will be set, setting an alarm for Wednesday afternoon to look that up because I'm really interested to see how that unfolds. Yeah, you can do uh you can you do a Google keyword like alert system like every yes. time Brian Robinson comes up in recent recent articles and things like that. Um yeah, he feels like the biggest one that's floating out there. Um the other one that I wanted to, you know, as someone that we we were in on this months ago and it turned perfect storm of when these injuries occurred, but Ronnie Rivers was sitting there with the Rams in that bird dog seat and running back too. He ends up getting the injury at the exact wrong time because it's when Kieran Williams ended up going out. And Kieran Williams has now uh, ended up coming back faster than than Ronnie Rivers. I just wonder, is he someone that, because we go, normally it's on a Friday or Saturday that they, a player actually comes back from IR on, mm-hmm. on these fantasy platforms. And if you're in a situation where, uh, you know, what threshold of player do you drop? Do you drop Ronnie Rivers at this point? You still have a baby tiny window that you could possibly benefit from. I mean, I don't think, know if we mentioned Ronnie Rivers in our, you know, who could be a Damian Williams or Tim Hightower this year, but the perfect storm is there for Ronnie Rivers. He still has time. The projected return is this week, but obviously we'll know on Friday or Saturday if that's actually going to occur. What's your general line? If he's sitting on IR, is it, you want to hold this guy? We were in on him months ago and he should go back to his job or maybe Royce Freeman has supplanted him and he's going to keep that job. Yeah, see, you're getting down to a numbers crunch here on weeks because it's it's right. You've got three weeks of of playoffs left, right? This week you would need a Kyron Williams injury, and then you would need confidence going into next week to start him. Um, and if you don't have that, right, you would be in line for a championship week start. It's really the probably the only time that you would feel confident starting a guy like Ronnie Rivers. So we cast a wide net, right? This is the time of year where crazy stuff happens. And again, maybe like there was, there have been weeks where it's been both guys go down and you get like the, the rare sort of spot start from the running back three. I mean, just remember 
Damian Williams, right? When that that whole scenario played out with him, you had two two guys in front of him go down, and he was basically the last man standing for a um, a big time run down the stretch that year. Um, those things do happen, so I think you cast a wide net for that. He would be the type of guy, I, but I think he probably needs both guys to go down to feel confident. Um, or he goes down, you know, he plays this week. Kyron Williams goes down early and you get a sample size to say like, yeah, it's going to be a 70, 80% snap share for Ronnie rivers or, you know, Royce Freeman's inactive or something like that. You would need, I think another tip off to be confident to start him next week in the event of a Kyron Williams injury, but you might get that confirmation next week and be there for a championship week for him. Yeah. Like you said, we're running out of time to get comfort of a new situation and not a known one because he has to return, show that he's ready. Um, and you may get that, you know, if he returns this week and he's the running back two, and you don't get the injury, you may get the injury next week. And like you said, confidence in week 17. Uh, so there are some different ways to do that. Um, and other situations um, we have high Chandler, you know, is one mm-hmm. that we haven't discussed much, but he's a new starter uh, for this coming week. I think that's a whole different situation because we've seen him as the clarified number two for a while. You figure Kenny Wong, Wu, CJ Ham, they're not going to be based on other splits that we've had, other data points in that running back two, three battle. You know, that's a, a situation where you would expect now Vikings offense is a whole different question mark. But in terms of the running back uh, role and utilization, that's one where you would have confidence in the role. It's just maybe the level of the offense and opportunities to actually score, uh, which you may have the big questions. Yeah, that's that's the part about there you're you're a little worried about. I, I do think Nick Mullins for Minnesota, he's at least has shown the ability. It hasn't been recently, right? It's like two presidential administrations ago that he showed the ability to move the ball. So this has been, you know, it's been a while. Um uh <laughs> it's been since he's since he's been the the guy. Um he's shown the ability to move the ball and I, that's interesting. Right. So um, again, that was in the Shanahan offense. So you had to kind of, how much do I, you know, how much does it convert or whatever, but at least he's shown the ability to move it. That's why I kind of trust him a little bit more than Easton stick um, at this point. So, but yeah, again, Chandler falling in, you know, earning that injury away role and it being now, like we've actually seen this with Minnesota where they've had it in the playoffs a couple of years, you know, you know, in the last handful of years where it's happened like two or three times where you've gotten spot starts in the playoffs. So this is another one of those traditions. Uh, the one other one I would mention, and it's not a player on your waiver wire or anything like that, but there are sneaky outs here for Clyde Edwards Alaire where yes, there are uh, optimistic, you know, I mean, you figured he was going to have a dominant share over Jarek McKinnon in the run game, which he did this past week. And the routes were a little closer than a lot of people would have expected. And Jarek McKinnon coming off of an injury, he's certainly not one that's been healthy for big workloads in his career. So if McKinnon were out, that would pretty much be an absolute green light back to the days of rookie season week one, you know, for Clyde Edwards, a layer of optimism for a role usage and upside uh, there on, an, on the chiefs offense. So Edwards, a is right, you know, right now, probably like a fringe running back too. you know, you have some confidence in, in the workload. You wouldn't be surprised if he has a 15 plus point game, but if McKinnon were to miss time in game or for a future game, that's really where it goes through the roof with Pacheco on the mix. Yeah. And so this will be, this is an interesting spot because, right. What is it? 2020, he was drafted right at the top of his class. And I was joking that he's going to be 2023 league winner. Exactly. You know, nailed it. Right. Like Just, just exactly what we, uh, exactly what everyone thought was going to happen, but yeah, you're getting an interesting stretch here with, and we're not sure the interesting part about Pacheco is he didn't come out of the game. 
So it's tough to say exactly what the injury was, when it happened. So you don't you don't get a lot of this analysis on people saying, you know, able to sort of, you know, dig in and, and tell you, hey, it's a it's a it's a separate shoulder, or whatever. Like you can't tell what the injury is. So I do think that's interesting. Like, uh, you know, they get a they get a game next week against uh, against uh, uh, Vegas. Like this upcoming week, there should be a big favorite against the Patriots, and then they play Cincinnati as well. So like, there's a couple of matchups in here that you can look at and be like, that could be a spot where you know this past week. Uh, McKinnon was playing a lot because of the game script. The game script could absolutely flip to it being uh, a more run heavy uh, approach because they're leading by two scores against the Patriots, for example. So I do think it's going to be an interesting, you know, look for that. Like Edwards Lair being a league winner is something that um, we've kind of held out. We, we never believed in that from like a season long league winning perspective, but we have believed in it and like a, Hey, he could be a spot starter here down the stretch where it matters. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be an interesting spot for him to watch. And it's an instructive point, right? That it's about, it's about what price a player is, especially at running back, you know, of saying, well, I'm valuing him as a one one in a rookie draft, or I'm valuing him an X spot of a startup draft. That's different than going through this, rehabilitation mode of Edwards Alaire. I actually saw in some shallower leagues, he was dropped this year. You know, you could have picked him up for a third round rookie pick back in the summer. Those types of scenarios where now you have more, more roster ship than you had a few years ago when the price was exorbitantly high. And it just goes to show you that like, I remember Sony Michelle, like he's the most recent example that I can think of, of that just went straight wrong. Like mm-hmm. almost from the outset, it was like, this is not happening. The upside is not here. And he lingered. He was on the Rams. Like mm-hmm. he was still a viable, like there was a cross section of one season where you thought he was dead and buried NFL wise. And he was still in a rotation with the Rams. And he could have been in a situation like this if the perfect storm of an injury at the right time happened. So it just keeps you in the game. And I think it's an important reminder with Clyde Everett's Alaire as an example, not to give up on players, write them off completely, especially at running back when they become very cheap. You throw them into a few deals. You go from one share, you know, across your leagues to three or four shares. And all of a sudden now it may matter in that cross section of leagues that, uh, you know, you get the right injury and you, you get the right opportunity to start them and can come through late in the season. Dynasty trades. What a better spot to turn, uh, start off this week than Justin Herbert. Uh, we got a big one. And obviously this is going to be partially related where if you're trading for a quarterback that's out for the year, Team direction is pretty important on if you're in or out right now. So that definitely shades this. We have Justin Herbert, Sam Howell, and Jackson Smith Najigba for Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. Independent of team direction, I'm taking Lamar and Purdy, right? Because I look at this and I think, yeah, you, know, you could we could quibble, right, with Herbert and Lamar. Just set them aside for a second. You're trading Howell, who I think is as good as probably replaced if they're going to be picking in the top five, like. Again, it's a new ownership group. Uh, they're probably going to fire Ron Rivera, hire their new coach, and they're going to want a new quarterback, right? Like, I think that that's going to happen. And so I think you're basically trading Jackson Smith and Jigba and Howell for a quarterback that, at least in Purdy, you've got a multiple-year window. Then you flip it back and say, all right, like, especially if I was uh, yeah, I'm a playoff team, that's a great trade, right? Because I'm like, okay, I am not actually – I'm giving up Herbert, yes. I'm not actually giving up a solution to any other problem – and I'm getting back two solutions, right? That's actually a great, like that's you're upgrading your QB two most likely. I mean, I don't know what you have, but you know, if you unless you had per Herbert Mahomes, you know, and then you're upgrading quarterback three Purdy. for sure, yeah. right? Like, and without without question, and if it's two, it's that's great, you know. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's that what a great use of Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's that's a great use of a receiver that you know, and we talk about this a lot. Like, you take we 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 take wide receivers, we don't pick them, and you take them for this purpose, right? Where you say, okay, like I need an asset to throw in a deal to make it work for the other person, and they want some future assets, like they want some future flexibility. Here you go. Gift wrap on it's a funny, It's funny that he's him. pulling like this when he hasn't been overly successful. Because uh, there's matter. not a lot of there's not a lot of direct I know there's not a lot of direct outs either. Like DK Metcalf is locked up. Tyler Lockett, that contract is not completely over the top to say that he's not going to be on the team next year. And if that happens, if Lockett is still on that team, and frankly, even if he's gone, you still have DK Metcalf to to battle with um on an offense that maybe is not an elite passing game to supply high level production. I just, it's surprising that you can have a down year or a down, like not positive vibes from a, a starting year one standpoint. And it still can be a, a influencer in a trade like this. Yeah. And, and yeah, people this, have is a, written, this is a steal. Yeah. And people have written off uh, Tyler Lockett as well as being gone after this year. I actually don't think that's true. And if you yeah. look at his cap number, you know, for next year, it's, it's 26 million. They would only save, um, yeah, they. Uh, I'm sorry. It's yeah. It's almost 27 million. They would only save seven million dollars by cutting him. Right, so look at the ratio. If you're yeah. not saving more than you're more than you're losing and lopping off, I mean, that's it usually doesn't happen. A restructure, you know, to to get things in the right direction for the next. You know, I mean, it just doesn't seem conducive that they're unless it's a trade. You know, but that's still a big number. You know, to trade. So I just, it does not seem super likely. And if he doesn't move on, he's. As of now, he's not better than him. So, <laughs> I mean, he's still going to be sitting there wondering, you know, when's my breakout going to happen? Correct. Uh, another deal, we've got Devon Achan for Kyle Pitts and a third next year, and it's 1.5 tight end premium. Uh, I, I just look at the more durable profile, and I think it's Pitts, right? Like, you're playing in a premium format. Um, I, what is Achan long-term? And I just, I can't. I don't, again, I, this is the same, like maybe I have a hole in my brain and maybe, you know, you mentioned something in a couple of weeks ago at some point along the way about trying to figure out a test for Madison and, and Dylan. What what I would be curious to know is, and I'll look at it this year, it hasn't been true in recent years, but I'll be curious to see if it does move a little bit this year. If we are moving towards more successful, smaller backs on average, um, than it has been. And if if the way defenses are playing allows that, I'll be interested to see if that's something and you know if it's small, uh, you know, small defenders are uh, are taking away some of the the um you know are, are making bigger, slower accelerating backs um have a hard time. And as a result, like that small on small stuff can work at the running back. Holes position, are right? closing, holes are closing uh quicker and 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 frankly, that means you're having to win collisions. And, you know, we've seen guys like A.J. Dillon win some collisions this year and right. stuff like that. But that doesn't elicit the huge game-breaking plays that the, the defenses would fear. It Correct. doesn't, like Dillon breaking a tackle at 8 yards and it turns into 12 yards doesn't really move the needle on a defense. But, you know, you get shredded with an angle, a poor step by the safety, and it turns into 50. Exactly. Um, and, and I just wonder, like, again, I still think you'll have the durability concerns out of guys that are 195 to two, you know, 205. I think that's a that's a durability concern area. Historically, it's been true. And these guys just haven't had a ton of success. 
But I do wonder if like we start to think in that more that 210 to 200 range, you know, 195 range, we're a little bit more open to that. Like I'll be, that's one of the storylines I'll be thinking about this off season. Um, all that comes back to, I just think Pitts, especially in a premium format, he's a more durable play. Um, that's the one that I'm taking. And I realized that I could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm taking that profile because I think he's a good player. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced on what he is. I just think the usage on him hasn't been that good. And, and listen, if they upgrade a quarterback, I think that, that his reality can really change. I'm going to take the other side. We don't often disagree. I, but when I saw this, I was like, it needs to be two PPR. Or I was like, I, I feel like you could be, doing something different. Like, can you go Achan to a core wide receiver? Because I'm assuming this is a start one tight end league and you're really trying to shoot the ceiling on pits. Like you're making this trade and if he levels off and he doesn't have some of those tier one, if he doesn't have at least a tier one season or two, I think you're going to look back and be like, well, what, what was the, I mean, I think they both have a lot of liquidity in the market, mm-hmm. you know, that, Regardless if Achan ends this season with an injury or Miami's out early in the playoffs or whatever. I mean, I think Pitts and Achan both will have insulation beyond what maybe they should uh, based on that. And I look at this, like Achan landed in the perfect spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, he literally is in a, a system that says, are you fast? It's like a decision-making tree. Are you fast? Yes or no. <laughs> and if it's no, they're not really that interested. If it's yes, it's like, well, how fast are you? And it's like, <laughs> right. well, college D1 major program track. Very interested. Right. <laughs> like you just keep going. And so I think Achan is in the perfect offense. And I look at this. He really only had, what is this, like five games that he's been healthy? And he scored 20 plus in four of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you can say he's constantly in the shop. And if you want to say he's like a souped up version of Will Fuller in terms of when he's available, he's great. But you can account for the non-available parts. So I just, I think you should be able to do better. And we we talked uh, in a sidebar discussion about what players do you fear? And I guarantee you this, if you're in a playoff matchup and someone's whipping out Achan in their flex or something, that you don't want to see that like as a, as a right. playoff team in your dynasty league. Because yes, you know, he could go down, he could be held in check, he could go out in the first quarter uh, with, you know, with what, what looks like a routine hit or something. But you also know he can court you with three touches. Like it's, you're holding your breath, right? right? I mean, you're holding your breath when he gets the ball. And I just, I don't see Pitts as that type of player. I hope Pitts proves me wrong, but I, I continue to double and triple down on this. He's playing wide receiver and that hurts him. Mm-hmm. I know he's categorized as a tight end, but NFL schematic wise, I think it's hurting him because he's not Megatron. Like you can say mm-hmm. he's tall and he's movement and all this stuff. I do think he's not playing but he's not fully healthy this year and he's still working his way back. Mm-hmm. Hopefully quarterback gets better, but I also don't think he's better than Drake London. So where do we sit with this? Yeah. It helps. He plays tight end fantasy wise, NFL wise. He's not playing tight end, not playing tight end. So I just, I think Achan, you should be, try to go to somewhere else. Like, why don't you add him to a quarterback and get really good at quarterback? Why don't you go to a, a wide receiver? I wouldn't be going in 1.5 to a tight end like this. Okay. Yeah, that's my I, biggest. I, I do think that moving up, right? Like, is this a lateral move? Like, in any sort of however you feel about either player, I we've think this seen is elite like, from. We've seen elite from Achan. Yeah. Be honest. Have we seen elite from Kyle Pitts? I mean, two yards per route run as a rookie, yes. Right. Like, I mean, 
The answer okay. to that is yes. Like, but fantasy wise, we have not. Efficiency wise, we have correct. But, but okay. the fantasy wise is dictated okay. by a ten percent uh, under touchdowns. I know. Uh, no, no, well, a ten percent under passing rate over expectation. Right? I mean, it's ten percent under the passing rate. Is the coach gone? Is the coach gone? Um, I don't know, but Desmond Ritter should be right. I still can't. Go, I can't get over the fact that they weren't in on Lamar Jackson. It's right. The stupefyingest of decisions in the offseason with it that because they could have done it they had the ability to do it i just see atlanta might be the super stubborn team like you just said they didn't go in on lamar they're going to be in the middle of the pack and draft order like they might not be in a position to truly quote unquote fix quarterback like we might be imagining that they would be interested in doing so that might be another year We'll just keep going. We'll keep tolling the years on these top 10 drafted wide receivers and tight ends on this What's team. What's the trade market for him look like? In the NFL? Yeah. For Pitts? Yeah. Does he get a well, Hawkinson-like it's, return? It's certainly not going to be a top five pick. <laughs> no, it never is for a tight end. But is he? Never does he is. get like a Hawkinson-type return would be my question. And if, that's, if he could, right, is that right. something that interests Atlanta? So then you get uh, two first, and then you can move up, and then you can get yourself a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, it, or you just know, the, other things, right? The other thing, too, is like you think about, all right, how would a deal for them like to go from like Kirk Cousins? You know, let's say that they're at 10. Well, Kirk Cousins is one. Let's say that they pick at 10. How do they go from 10 to three? Right. Is that a trade with Arizona? Right. All of a sudden, he gets a reprieve. Right. You know, they do a DJ, like he's the DJ more in that trade. Right. Or yep. something like like you you start putting together sort of concepts, you know, let's assume the Jets pick at four or five, something like that. You know, is is that is Kyle Pitts the player? Uh, is Kyle Pitts the D- DJ more piece in a trade up like that? Right. That's the that's the other thing I think of as an out for him about how he could change scenery. And I don't think I, I don't think that's a non zero chance. Yep. And that honestly for Atlanta from a team building perspective would probably make them better off, you know, especially like the vibes of if they like the alpha vibes of, of Drake London. Mm-hmm. Last one here. We got Devonta Smith traded for DeAndre Hopkins and a 24 first. Well, I'd be curious to know where the first is. That's the one thing. The other thing is this is a like, I, I, we generally don't like trade ups at wide receivers paying first round future first round picks, unless it's a huge, huge difference maker. Um, I do think Devonta Smith is a is a major tier above Hopkins. The problem is, is like in in dynasty valuation. Um, but the problem is, is like we can recreate the like this year has been proof of concept that you can recreate the Devonta Smith scoring profile in a in a player that is substantially substantially cheaper. Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, other guys that can sort of appro- you know eighty percent approximate, and that's not losing you games. Hopkins is doing that plus you're netting out a liquid first which again we've spent the beginning part of this uh, podcast talking about Justin Herbert and what do we always think like front of mind to us has to be all right how do I make these trades right and I think all right I'm much more able to make a trade if I can go like you can make those trades by either including Devonta Smith in it or getting yourself a first it's a liquid first and putting together a package. Well, okay, I have my own first. Now I got another first. Like, is there other pieces out there? I'm I'm getting close to a Herbert deal just in terms of getting some of those assets together. So um, I, I would go that route uh, for a multitude of reasons. I, I think the flexibility on that, and especially going into an off season where you say to yourself, okay, I don't think 
Devonta Smith's ever going to be like a league winning player. I think he's a really good player. I don't think he's going to be a league winning player. I can recreate at wide receiver. I can recreate really good players for substantially cheaper, but I can't recreate the flexibility to go make a trade for an elite quarterback. And that's how I see this trade. Yeah. Smith is good, but not great. And he's locked in with AJ Brown. So that to some degree, you know, he's kind of in that Jalen Waddle type of dynamic of, you know, yeah, two guys can survive, but maybe only one can thrive in, mm-hmm. in the in the same passing game. And DeAndre Hopkins is really good. You know, I think people forget, you know, 26% target per route run. He's over two yards per route run again this season. So uh, he's one that he keeps doing his thing. And you're, you're getting a two-way go because at some point in the next year or two, Smith has to boat race Hopkins in production to make this competitive. Because you bank that first, and like you said, all the things you said about being flexible and using it in some capacity. And if Smith doesn't get home for like a big, big year, then what are we doing here? I mean, mm-hmm. Hopkins is the type that he's already in Larry Fitzgerald mode of mm-hmm. still being productive despite his traits and separation and all these things fading. So he's going to stick around. Like it is very, uh, it is a very traveling skill set. Uh, for what he can offer teams because he's not even in a good offense. He still has an outside shot at a thousand yards this season. And I mean, he's got, he's got outs. And the fact that, you know, the fall off has not happened. He's still over two yards per route run for his career, which I mean, a lot of times you see this dip over, and you know, in your final years and we're seeing no dip, no dip for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I just, I think that Smith is nice to have, but in terms of what he's actually offering, you can't add a first to a player like Hopkins in order to get him like that's that to me like you need to be higher on the pecking order if you're going to add a first to Hopkins for what you get at wide receiver and frankly I don't know how much higher you can go a little higher but you're not getting Garrett Wilson for this you're not getting like you're not going to go up to the top you know market value wise top four five six guys you're just not if this is Chris Olave does that make it different for you um I mean I would probably keep Olave yeah Mm -hmm. I mean that would need to be a non-playoff first. Yeah. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Especially with running back not looking great in the in the draft, you're going to recycle that to you know, a non-101 quarterback or mm-hmm. a round one wide receiver where it's not going to be the first one off the board and you're going to get you know, you're throwing a dart and you hope and pray in the first year or two you kind of get a Olave trajectory. Right. <laughs> right. Which is always kind of interesting. You're like, "No, I want that." And it's like, "Well, you just got it." Well, no, mm-hmm. but I want to new that. You're right, exactly. exactly. Olave's too old. Well, he's too old for me. I'm, I'm rebuilding. I didn't tell you, Jordan. I'm rebuilding. So I need I need someone else. Yes. All right. Uh, what's on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week, uh, which you can find over at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. We had a very thorough discussion after hours, which is the fun part of after hours. It's always before hours. Um, it, it's the first time we talk to each other on the day as we just hit record. Um, but we talked about... Uh, you know, we talked about uh, uh, playoff decision making, right? Kind of how our seasons have gone. Um, you know, some trajectory stuff for us in terms of like thinking about you know how to process the the playoffs and just some things that we're looking forward to for the off season. So a lot of stuff there. And then we're going to be talking kind of bigger picture quarterback stuff on deeper dive this week. Um, you know, thinking about storylines we're going to be watching, kind of guys that could be breakout candidates or or um, you know kind of regression candidates, like those types of storylines that we're going to be watching for in the off season. Um, where we just love to talk bigger picture dynasty. Like, I don't know about you. 
I like the dynasty season. I like the dynasty playoffs. I really enjoy the discussions in the off season because you can get, you know, you can look 30, 40,000 foot views instead of thinking about like, all right, what's the individual snap rate. Um, I always take a couple of weeks off, right? I don't take a break from you, but I take a couple of weeks off of like research and all that stuff, reset the brain and come back thinking, you know, much fresher and ready to go. Like I'm excited for all that part of the season, part of the calendar to roll around. Yeah, I think the exciting part is always the beginning of everything, right? Like mm-hmm. the beginning of the off season, it's finally a new data point. Uh, September, you know, we're getting new data points in the regular season. But frankly, by this point, we have such a routine of what we look at on a weekly basis. And it's about eliminating the things that are relatively the same or not surprising or not on the move on a weekly basis. So that is distilled from 32 teams or 32 situations to maybe a handful. You know, of like, I'm watching this, I'm looking for this change. And that's why it's so fun, like a Dearness Johnson type situation where you see legitimate uh, progression and change for something that could matter in a few weeks and and seeing those types of scenarios because it is new. And, and if every, you know, declared depth chart stayed the same from August till now, and it was just cookie cutters of, well, this injury happened, everyone moves up one spot. Okay, an injury happened, everyone moves up domino fashion then it would be far less interesting but we get all the the potential changes and wrinkles and i do think that the deeper you go into cross sections like march uh by the time you get to march there's going to be so much group think in dynasty market value that it'll wear off and honestly i think it's more difficult to get trades done at that point in time where january 15th it'll be much easier same thing in may 5th it's a lot easier to uh, have a new environment, a new reality of player value. You get to July and it's like everyone's dug in their heels and it's really tough uh, to kind of uh, unearth uh, some some trading avenues or player value adjustments that people don't have that are different than you or different than the market that you're trying to exploit. So yeah, uh, it's going to be all fresh uh, when we get there in January. Thanks so much for listening to Dynasty Think Tank. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL and at McNamara Dynasty. Plus, we have our own Dynasty content streams at analyticsofdynasty.com and at uthdynasty.com. As always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. 